Welcome back, travelers. This is episode 44 of Relish the Journey. As always, I'm your host, Miles Biggs, and my guest today is Jelani Martinez of Sartorial Inc. He's the creative director there. It's a family-owned male specialty apparel store located in St. Petersburg, Florida. And I met Jelani in college and have kept with him on socials as several of my guests I've said about. And I caught him in the car um, on hands-free after a bridal expo because the guy just never stops hustling. And we talk about that entrepreneurial drive and that entrepreneurial spirit and how he's applied it into retail sales, a stint in the medical cannabis industry, and just life in general. He's a very interesting guy, very well-spoken, very driven, and very mindful of who he is, his surroundings, and how he impacts them, which I loved, 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 and I think you will too. So I'll shut up now and let you enjoy Jelani Martinez, episode 44. All right. Hey, thanks for joining me. I appreciate you taking the time. And you're in the car on the way back from a bridal Eskbo. You know, work never stops. So thanks for carving out some time. My pleasure. My pleasure. So... I just we'll get into work then since I, I teed it up with Bridal Expo now. So you work for Sartorial Inc. It's your your family's company. But for those listening, describe for that describe that for me a little bit. You know what is it? What do you do? And we'll go from there. Yeah, of course. Uh, so I'm the creative director at Sartorial Inc. So what that means for me right now is that I'm in charge of buying. So buying for the store and the store's inventory. Um, and then I'm also in charge of, like, events and, and things like that uh, that we do under the company. Um, and then also uh, just, like, the brain behind the company. Okay. Well, and kind of the face, too. You're all over the uh, the Instagram page. You're modeling, it looks like. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Thankfully, um, I have, yeah, my dad has uh, blessed me with that opportunity, you know, just taking it head on. So is this something that your father owns it has he always owned this and this has been your plan that you're going to go into the family business or is this something recent so you know it's actually um it's a god blessing of a recent venture uh my dad uh he had worked for corporate america for over 20 years you know 25 years and he just got tired of getting laid off uh you know he um had a great job had always had great um opportunities and things like that but um as I'm sure a lot of your listeners know, you know, when you work at corporate America, it's unfortunately always a reality of like downsizing and uh, missing projection. And so uh, we just came together. Uh, I was working, I moved down to Florida to get into the medical cannabis industry. I was a uh, dispensary manager and I had a lot of uh, retail experience as a sales employee, um, sold millions of dollars worth of clothes. So it just, you know, we just came together and it's been, been great. So what did he do in corporate America? Was it apparel related or is this a completely new offshoot? He was more marketing focused. So my father uh, was working for Tech Data on some marketing projects, but the majority of his career um, would involve Verizon, Verizon Wireless, and AT&T from a global marketing standpoint. Uh, so trying to, you know, just get everyone to spend like, you know, 15 more cents or an, an extra quarter, a year, just things like that. Sure. So then how'd you guys land on apparel, of all things? Yeah. Um, so I, I had sold a, a lot of apparel in my career, um, over over $9 million of, of clothing. Um, and so it just was my, I guess, personal privilege or prestige. Um, and so 
my mom encouraged my dad with the retail space and it just made sense, you know, um, you know, why sell spices when your son uh, has all this retail experience. Sure. So what's a typical day like then as the creative director for a male specialty apparel company? You know, uh, you, you, you come into the store, you take a look at inventory, you see if you need to, you know, restock anything. We're a boutique. So um, our store is 1,100 square feet, so uh, fairly small, about the size of like a studio apartment. And then what, um, or not, no, a one-bedroom apartment. And so, yeah, so you place orders, you, you do the restock, and then you sell to employees and, or sell to, I'm sorry, sell to customers, and you schedule and plan for the event. So on January 19th, I'll be in New York City going to a buying convention um, to buy the clothes for the fall for the fall season. So how does that work then at a buying convention? Is that like people walking the runway and you see the clothes and decide, yes, I want to buy that? So what's going to happen is I'll probably, so um, when I first went to this convention, I had maybe 75 to 100 meetings in three days. Wow. And then it was trying to decide which brands I wanted to carry for my store. And then it was selecting those brands and choosing them. So now we're going into year two. So it's about, uh, you know, doubling down on the brands that we've liked, expanding their inventory, and then maybe adding one brand or two brands. Nothing as intense as, you know, filling a new store again. Sure. So what do you look for when you're picking a brand that you like, you know, this is what you value over something else that you choose it instead of another one? So, so for me, I'm, I'm big into concepts. For the Florida-based uh, store in St. Petersburg, uh, what I'm focused on is premium clothes for the hot weather down here in Florida. A lot of people in Florida, they're from New York, uh, they're moving from L.A., and they've been at those places for 30 years. And the clothes that work for those climates just don't work down here in Florida. You'll sweat through them, you'll ruin them very quickly. Um, and so it's, it's just about that. Uh, Levi, when you buy a jean at Levi's, the fabric weighs 11 ounces, 13 ounces. Uh, I have jeans in my store that weigh 5 ounces. Oh, wow. So they're meant for a 90 degree, 100 degree weather day. That's pretty cool. I never realized that, but that makes sense. Totally. Yes. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that because uh, it's very big to not really get into spending a lot of money on your clothes. You know, a lot of people are used to shopping at like Kohl's or Target and all of those places are fantastic. However, if you are looking for unique to your environment kind of uh, clothing, it really does make sense to look for more of a premium clothing store or premium market. Sure. So part of your job then, just based on that sentence, I guess, is really education and letting people know that sort of thing and what your value is. Yes, that is genuinely the primary focus of my job is really educating. I, I tell people I do not sell you clothes. I present you clothes and I give you product information on the clothes. You know, I'm not the type of person to force clothing down your throat or anything. I'm just trying to educate you so you can just, you know, continue to live your life how you would like to. Sure. Low pressure, quote unquote, sales, which is nice. And very much so, yes. You know, I, I get intimate with the greeting. But I do like to keep a nice distance from the customer, keep a smile on my face, keep, you know, my hands um, at my sides and just talk to them about the product. Just because 
be happy with it. Uh, it's very important to me to have very low returns. I, I'm very proud to say uh, I have an extremely low return rate. Yeah, it's an interesting metric I never would have thought of, but it makes sense. That's a really good indicator of just customer satisfaction. You know, if they're not bringing it back because they're, they're unhappy, then you've done your job. Exactly, wholeheartedly. You always want to make sure it's all about the reviews, especially nowadays with social media. It's all about the reviews. It's all about someone's experience. People are not buying things because they want to, you know, I don't know. People are just buying things off of experience now. They, they really are, are into what is the experience that you're giving them. Sure. Oh, absolutely. So how did you learn all of this? I mean, you said you sold $9 million of clothing previous to this. You know, where did that come from? Just you self-taught through other professions? Did you study this sort of thing in college? How'd you get here? Right. Um, so th- I uh, was really blessed to actually grow up in Highland Mills, New York, in Central Valley. And the really cool thing with Highland Mills, New York, is it, it homes the Woodbury Commons Premium Outlet. So the Woodbury Commons Premium Outlet, um, anywhere else in America where you see outdoor outlet malls, those are all based off of the outlet that grew up in my small town. So at 14, the Ralph Lauren that I worked at was a $150 million store. It was very intense from day one. It was always about, you know, the customer's experience, um, educating customers. Um, I ended up having an amazing opportunity to work for a great company called Suit Supply uh, when I left Lycoming College at 20. And Suit Supply, they send you to New York City for, for 10 days. They train you on suit, fabric, fit, um, the whole nine yards. They give you a, an amazing, amazing education. But it also, you know, it's very intense. They'll fire you immediately. Uh, I remember they, they pay for your plane ticket. You get there. You show up late, you get fired. If you mess up on the first two tests, you get fired. They, their focus is about educating the, the best. It's not about spending money or focus on that. It's about trying to build a culture of great sales employees. Um, so that was phenomenal. And then that company is where I started to build my sales. Um, my, in, my in-floor sales were great. Um, but I actually did corporate accounts for them. So, uh, working with, uh, companies like Audi of America to dress all of their car dealerships or working with Smith and Associates uh, Real Estate Group, um, dressing their real estate agents. Uh, those are more of random ideas that just popped into my mind that were that I just thought after, you know, for um, corporate accounts. Uh, this wasn't something that a suit supply employee had done before, you know, just ideas that I came up with. So you created that that whole business model then within suit supply like it wasn't something that the car dealership said we want to do this you pitched it to them and they they bought in um yes exactly uh yeah they they pitched it they bought it you know they were especially with sales especially in in my opinion in the east coast and in la you know those coastal cities um so much of sales are based off of presentation what are you wearing what is the value of what you're wearing uh you know you don't look like a well-dressed, sharp person. I don't know if I'm going to do business with you. That's very much the culture of those cities. And um, and so I just, I, you know, I just doubled down on that. A, my mother, she used to work at Pfizer Pharmaceuticals. And uh, she had a friend of hers who was an amazing sales rep. But she dressed terribly, horribly. And uh, the company got so many complaints on how just 
unprofessionally and horrendously she'd go to meetings, that they actually gave her a $10,000 gift card to Bloomingdale because she was so good at sales, but she dressed so horribly. <laughs> That's funny. And- <laughs> That's really funny. It definitely makes a lot of sense. You know, here where I live in central Pennsylvania, it's almost the opposite, which is funny. Like if you dress too nice... It's like, what the hell are you doing, man? Like, why are you not wearing jeans and a polo? Like, what are you, what are you trying to prove? Like, it's more blue collar. So it, it can work either way, which I think is interesting. Uh, whole, wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. So uh, thankfully, I'm also a personal stylist. So it's also on me to understand how to know those things. And, uh, you know, people in my profession, that's what that's what we pride ourselves on. You know, we, we understand that. Sure. I want to go back to something you said about college. Did you say you left college at 20 years old? Um, yes, correct. Uh, my Coleman College was an, a great and amazing opportunity for me. Uh, however, unfortunately, it just didn't translate. You know, I just had a really hard time at school, at university. Um, I found working to be far more easy, enjoyable, m- motivating for myself. Uh, I found college to just be very demoralizing, I, I guess. Sure. And that's kind of where I was going. I wasn't sure if that meant you went to college very young, you know, and they graduated or you chose to leave early. Um, so by the sounds of that, you chose to leave early, which I'm very interested in because I've talked to a lot of people that are entrepreneurial and driven like you are. And a lot of them either left school or graduated, but with really low grades and were told that, you know, they were going to be terrible business people because they got... D's in their business classes, but now they're running their own successful companies. So I do think it's interesting how that book knowledge classroom, sit here and do what you're told. You know, it doesn't work for everybody. And if you're really good at that, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be really good out in the real world actually doing something. For me, I, I view it as like my personal, I guess, privilege. Uh, you know, a lot of people, they're so, you know, being book smart, um, having that ability to just be able to get an A, just be able to bang out that that B plus paper with ease is is phenomenal. I'm just not that person, you know. Uh, I'm I'm far more of a creative minded person. You want an answer? If, if there's a question and the question has one answer, I want to give you 15. I don't want to give you just one answer. And so, especially in college, um, it can definitely be uh, really just really bad uh you know here you're answering questions in the right way but it's not it's not worth the grades that you're looking for uh you know they're looking for something else but they don't want to tell you about that like i just don't i don't have time for that man that that is that is a that is a waste of my time in my opinion you you get out into post-college world and you just realize that that was just some bs for the university you know, or or in a lot of instances, what you're learning in school, frankly, is five years out of date. You know, you get, again, you graduate and you get a job and you're like, oh, this is what you were doing in 2008. Oh, that's, that's great that that's just what I was focusing on in 2014 and 2015. <laughs> you know, a lot of things are just archaic. Right. But yeah, it just, it worked out. Well, yeah, and, and even beyond that, a lot of the book knowledge is just what you need to know you know here are the definitions here are the general ideas you know here's what this guy had to say it's focusing on the what and sometimes the why but very rarely the how you know how do you implement this how do you take it out of the book and bring the pages to life and that's where i think traditional education falls short and why everybody if especially 
if they're going to stay in school and if they're not necessarily doing their own thing on the side to put stuff into practice, everybody needs to have internships. Like that's probably the most valuable thing to actually have some real world experience when you're in that little college bubble. I know plenty of people that didn't and then they can't find jobs and I don't get it. I had straight A's and it's like, yeah, but you didn't do anything. Like, what does that mean? All those honor societies. I was in so many honor societies that nobody gives a crap about now. They don't even know what the Greek alphabet is that understand what it means. Like, that doesn't matter. What matters is, like you said, what are the metrics? Like $9 million in sales. Like, what have you done? Not what do you think you know, but what have you done? And what will you bring to the table? So it's two very different things. It's interesting. Yeah, exa- exactly. It's, it's interesting where you, you kind of realize uh, what you're learning in the university or what you're learning at college is fantastic, but do you have the leadership skills and the... Uh, you know, the the confidence to actually put those things to the test. Yeah, it's, it's very, it's not easy, but it's, it's very common for what most people do. They, they get a college degree, and they use that degree to get a job that they qualify for. And that's fantastic, and that's amazing. However, at the end of the day, you have that degree that can put you in an opportunity to really take a leap forward, to step out of the box. And, I, and in my opinion, it's a lot of people who um, don't finish college, who are the people who are willing, you know, to step out of that box. And so it's it's been kind of cool to see, uh, especially nowadays with all these, you know, uh, the medical marijuana field, um, podcasting, um, social media, entrepreneurship. It's, it's really remarkable to see... Uh, especially growing up in, in my, in, you know, for, with my parents, it's as if it's college or it's nothing. It's as if, you know, like, like that's pretty much what I grew up on. It's college or it's nothing else. College or you're homeless. College or you're, you're finished. Your life is, is nothing. Right. And it's just interesting to see as we progress how different that is from the truth. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I was going to, I wanted to ask you about that because I know, you know, just talking with you when we were in school together and then doing some little research on you here just to refresh my memory before we hit record. I mean, you went to a military academy, I'm assuming for high school in New York. So that's a very structured thing. So then to leave that structure and just, you know, abandon the college structure, I was going to ask you what your parents thought about that. So if they were college or bust and put you through the military academy and it was very Uh, regimented. uh, Yeah. So for my because I went to military school, when I went to college, I just really wanted to have fun. You know, I, I had um, given structure to someone in high school, and I, or at least just for myself, was just not a good idea. You know, structure is probably uh, done better at figuring out for my own in college. Uh, however, thankfully, I was blessed with that knowledge in high school. And so now as an entrepreneur, I use that structure in my day-to-day life. But in college, I was so over you know, four or five years of forced structure. Sure. Um, yeah. Um, but, but military school has been phenomenal. Um, uh, I'm not a, I'm not a huge, I'm not a fan of this gentleman, but, uh, Donald Trump also went to New York Military Academy. And, um, it's just something about that school, in my opinion, and entrepreneurs and just kind of, I don't know if it's giving you the confidence or giving you that, that blind courage. To just kind of say like, hey, I got this. You guys need to listen to me. But um, it's great, you know? Yeah. I didn't go to military school, but um, I was big in scouts growing up. And I went yeah. I went all the way through in scouts to get my Eagle Scout. And so 
I don't, I don't know if I'm drawing a weird parallel because I don't know what happens in military academy, but to me, it was similar like to college. For me, college wasn't really about what I learned in the textbook. It was more about figuring out me as a person. And then scouts going back growing up was that's where you got to figure out stuff. Like it was just like another testing ground where you're going to mess up how to build that fire or tie that knot or go on this camping trip in the woods and figure out what you're capable of. So by the time you got to college or high school, people that didn't have those experiences, be it scouts or military academy or whatever, you had that one leg up on because you knew more about yourself than they did. And that gave you the confidence to attack all these different things where other people might be hanging back in the wings and they gravitate to you because you have that confidence and you're taking charge. Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely, uh, that makes, yeah, that's 100% correct. Uh, especially when I went to school, college, uh, just things like people have no experience with living with people. I have four years of living with people. Sure. You know, um, people, guys hadn't lived with a woman before. They didn't know what that was like, you know. Um, there are just so many different things that, as you said, uh, doing those type of leadership development courses or classes or programs at a young age can really help separate uh, you as an adult. It, to me, in my opinion, it, it gives you the comfort of being uncomfortable. Right. And... I totally agree. I mean, I get asked a lot now at the podcast. People always ask me about, you know, how I define success for this thing or what's my advice to anybody that wants to do it or how do I know if it's going to be good and all those things. And it's like, you don't know any of those things. Like who, who's to say what's successful? Like you're never going to know unless you try it, just do it. (laughs) And like, just keep, you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Otherwise you're never going to grow. Right. It's like, it's like working out. I know you work out, right? And if your body's not sore, it means you're not improving. Like you're not tearing down those muscles to then build them back up again. So same thing in life with your brain, with experiences, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, no, um, you're again, in my opinion, it's a hell yes kind of thing. (laughs) You know, it's about, especially for entrepreneurs, if you're going to do something yourself, it's about, honestly, you have to write a to-do list. And then you just have to do them. And, like, it's uncomfortable, it's awkward. Yeah, you're not getting the turnout that you wanted or things like that. But you just have to remember and have the discipline to do these things. And eventually, over time, these things will work out for you. I'm really curious how you transitioned down to Florida for medical cannabis and then back into apparel. Like, I have so many questions in my brain about that whole industry because I've never really talked to anybody about it, and I'm sure it's very interesting. Yeah, uh, okay, yeah, so I was um, in college, you know, I was a big smoker, um, but I was more of the person to smoke a bunch of weed and then research about it and things like that. Um, at Suit Supply, after my year, I had great sales numbers, and as well as with those great sales numbers, I was also the assistant manager uh, at my suit store. Uh, so as well as having those sales numbers, I could thankfully also say I managed or help with the team of managing an $11 million uh, suit location. Um, so when I moved down to Florida, I actually got involved in um, just because it was really easy, you know, temp jobs. Temp jobs are fantastic. Shout out to uh, John Moncom, uh, Lycoming graduate. Uh, he got me a opportunity with Aerotech at Mobile X, which oh, is cool. an ultrasound uh, call center. Um, and my manager there uh, was going to be the startup uh, leader of the call center at Truly, the 
the medical marijuana company. True Leave is Florida's largest medical marijuana company, and I was their 15th employee. Um, so once I was in the call center for three months, four months, uh, the uh, dispensary right next to the call center opened up, and so just like that, I, I fell in and, and took up that position. About two months into that opportunity, my uh, father, as I said, got, got, got laid off. And so we decided to open the shop. So uh, I was working, you know, seven days a week for maybe four or five months. I would go and manage the dispensary at True Leave uh, four days a week. And I would work 12-hour uh, shifts. Um, and then I would... Uh, go to the store and work at the store either two days a week or three days a week. Uh, in the early stages, it was three. And then um, once I stopped working at True Leave, you know, then I just transitioned full time in the store. Sure. That's cool. So what do you think is like this intangible quality inside of you that, you know, makes you, you know, feel like it's cool to not come back to school, move down to Florida, get into this taboo cannabis industry and then leave that and start your own thing i mean it's just not many people would be as comfortable with being uncomfortable as you are so why do you think you are so uncomfortable so comfortable with being uncomfortable so so my number one thing is just understanding statistics you know so many people think that they're special that they're an individual that they're about to do something that's uncomfortable but uh it's really important to realize like there's really nine billion people on the planet like so much of what you think is weird or uncomfortable is normal to, to maybe a million other people on the planet, a hundred thousand other people on the planet. Especially in the days of the internet, if you feel lonely, really Google and research what it is that you want to do because you'll see stories. You know, there's, there's encouragement. Something social media kind of showed me is, you know, like, even if it's good, bad, or ugly, if you double down on it, there's so many people Someone's going to agree with you. There's going to be a lane that you can carve out. You know, it's just, it's just, frankly, man, there's just too many people on the planet for your ideas just not to be shared by, by at least another 100,000 people. I just, frankly, in my opinion, I just feel like I really understand that. I understand how unspecial all my ideas are. Sure. Yeah, and it's funny, too. I, I mean, it's funny for me talking with the people that I talk with on this podcast, you really start to realize how like not unique everyone is as weird as that sounds. It's kind of cool. Like we all have so much more in common than we think we do. You know, like it's every we grow up singing, you know, little Johnny mama says that you're, you're perfect and you're so special. And it's like, well, are we really, you know, there's things that make us unique. Sure. But when you boil it all out, you know, we're really all very similar and have so much in common that, if we acknowledged it, there'd be a lot less BS in the world, you know? Oh, yeah. A hundred and, man, and that's the number one thing now. Like, you know, visually, how you look, stuff like that, you can't change. But what's in your brain, your thoughts, it's so common. Yeah. It's so common that you have a thought that someone else has. And, yeah, like like you just said, especially when you do the podcast, I love, I've listened, I've been listening to podcasts in, like, 2008, 2009, um, I love podcasts. I'm like one of those like original listening to Bill Simmons, Joe Rogan. You genuinely realize once you go through enough pods, in my opinion, you can do what you want to do. It's just about 
really going after it. You know, you just, uh, in my opinion, the number one thing is like, you just can't be lazy about it, you know? Absolutely. There's always going to be some excuse why you quote unquote can't do something, but for every excuse, there's like five other reasons why you should absolutely just do it already. All right, so now we're both on our soapboxes, so I'm going to go into so this line of questioning because <laughs> it's relevant. Um, throughout your life and all the things you've done and some of the you know uncomfortable things you've gone through, what's been one, one really good piece of advice that somebody's given you that's really stuck with you? I'd probably say, yeah, you know, for sales, uh, my number one thing for sales is it's all about controlling the sale, being in control, not allowing your uh, anxiety to really run, run riles with whomever you're, you're just conducting business with. Um, they're so, that, I don't know. I don't know if that's advice, really. Um, that's not even, no, I'm sorry. Hold on, Miles. Let me, let me think about that. That's okay. I mean, that could be advice. I mean, a lot of people get nervous. You know, I, I work in home building, and so you're trying to sell somebody a house or another home builder a house, and it's really easy to just jump to the end of the sales process, right? Like, you know what you want, so you just kind of blurt it out and, like, throw up all the stuff on somebody. But it's really, like you said about controlling the sale, you're really, like, weaving a story. And, like, what do they want? What do you want? How can you get both of you there in a way that makes everybody feel good, you know? So there's yeah. definitely something to that as far as advice goes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just, um, I'm so bad. I feel like I'm always bad at, like, hey, well, what's a good advice that you got one time? Um. <laughs> That's fine. Well, and so you can think about that, and I'll just ask you then. I mean, if you know someone's coming to you, it's you know it's one of them damn millennials, just like me and you, that we're apparently ruining the world, even though we're doing really cool stuff. And they got a question about some sort of entrepreneurial venture. What kind of advice would you give that person? Um. So very quickly, Miles, if I answer your question, I would invite you to read. It came out last month. Forbes wrote this huge article about the re breaking down why baby boomers are genuinely the reason for why the planet is so, like, just from, like, what's going on, like, why, you know how everybody likes to blame millennials? Right. They genuinely broke down, like, the enabling culture of baby boomers towards millennials, the fact of, like, all these other things that uh, baby boomers have done. Uh, in terms of like destroying the economy, in terms of like the housing market, in terms of like technology, it's, it's really, uh, it's actually really kind of like depressing, actually. <laughs> I'm uh, sure it is. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but it's, it's a great read though. Um, yeah, I'll check it out. Uh, so, yeah, um, but, um, in terms of what I would always tell a millennial, it's, it's really just to double down. You know, you, you say your ideas to people of an older generation and they're just not necessarily going to get it. And if they do get it, they're going to tell you that you're trying to move way too fast and that it's not realistic for your timetable. But if you just look at it, so my number one thing, and again, it goes back to like statistics, uh, a human being, unfortunately, they take 10 years on average to recognize a good idea. So when the ATM comes out in the 70s, people don't realize until the 80s that they can trust ATM. They are under the impression that they'll stick their card in and it'll steal their money. This is a genuine human being thing. You, you look at Facebook. Facebook comes out in 2004, 5, 6 time range. By 2016, your 45-year-old dad is on Facebook. He thinks it's normal. It's not an issue to him. Or your 50-year-old dad is on. Uh, now we're seeing with Instagram. 
Instagram is about two years away from being 10 years old. And look at how now normal Instagram is now becoming. It's really just about, in my opinion, you just have to really go hard at what you want. And you just have to understand that people are just reacting normally how, unfortunately, human beings are programmed to react to things. And you just have to really understand that. Sure. Yeah. And really, like you said, you almost have to get excited when somebody tells you your idea is terrible or it'll never work. You know, you have to like just take that and channel that and be like, oh, okay, like I'll show you, like <laughs> I'll see you in 10 years or whatever it is. And when you're coming to me asking for a job or now you want to hang out and say you knew me back then and all those stories you hear of people that have made it and had similar experiences. Exactly. Exactly. It's just, you know, it's, it's really about doubling down and just keeping the confidence. So with everything you've done so far, how would you describe your, your journey in three words? Uh, lonely, stressful, and uh, motiv- motivational. That's how I would describe my three words. All right. I was going to get worried there. I thought you were going to be all three kind of like sad ones there, but yeah, no, no, motivational. Uh, which is cool. <laughs> so talk to me about that because it's almost, it's kind of ironic that it's lonely and stressful first and then motivational, but does your... You know, being stressed and lonely motivate you? Is, that, is there a rhyme or reason to the order there? Yeah. Uh, you know, as I talked about a little bit earlier, when it comes to dropping out of school, uh, in my, for, at least how I was raised, you know, it, everything was always about college. And everything was always about doing well in college so that way you can be the adult that everyone else wants you to be. When you don't finish school, you know, people... People just don't, you know, people don't respond, man. People don't respond to text messages. You, you, uh, you want to hang out. Like, let's say you're coming up to, like, coming for the weekend. People don't want to see you. you. You live an hour from people. They don't hit you up. It's just very interesting, you know. It's as if people want to make sure you're not homeless to see if you're worth the time. Oh, gosh. Or, that sucks. Yeah, that or, sucks. Like, or, like, they went home and their parents asked about you. And you told them you dropped out of school and their parents are like, well, maybe you shouldn't be friends with that. That is, now maybe that's just my insecurities, but to me is just honestly how I felt just after school. Um, And so that's why I just said the loneliness in terms of stressful, you know, it was about building, uh, what's it called? Okay, uh, I want to get into retail. So what level of retail? Well, if I want to make... You know, if I want to make at least what a teacher is making, I have to do premium or luxury retail. Okay, so it was about kind of understanding that. How do you get in that field? Um, a lot of people, you know, uh, if you walk into Prada and you tell people at Prada that you worked at Michael Kors or Tory Burch, they're like, that's that's totally different. Please, you can't work here. So it's it's just about kind of, you know, understanding things like that and just so on and so forth, yeah. So then... How do you then, you, so you ended with motivational, so then you, you channel that then to like just stay motivated to hustle even harder? Exactly, yes. So um, I turned all of that into motivation. Uh, I did I did get depressed. Um, I did, you know, lose my job. It took a, uh, for like a month or two, I couldn't really find a job and that was really uh, hard on me. Um, and so it was just about, uh, when I moved down to Florida, you know, I was I was I wasn't working out. Um, I was I was pretty out of shape. I was smoking cigarettes like every day. When I just moved to Florida, you know, um, I let the the I guess the anger or the stressfulness of my life really push me towards just wanting to do better for myself and 
so on and so forth. That's great. I mean, it's great you were able to channel it. A lot of people just get lost in that cycle and then it just destroys them. So that's, that's cool. You're able to rise above it. Yes, very, very true. Unfortunately, a lot of people do. And, you know, it's just about, uh, and my number one thing is just trying to stay conscious in the moment. It's, it's really about that. You know, I watch, uh, you, you ever watch the show Shameless? I've seen a couple episodes, but I've not kept up with it at all. I watched a little bit of season one, but that's it. Well, well Shameless is a, is a great show where, where it tells you, uh, a very, like, depressing story of, a just like a, a low income family from Chicago. And you just kind of, I don't know. To me, I, I use TV. I use art. I think about when I see a scrub in a TV show, you know, it makes me think about my own life. And at that time frame, when I would see someone bumbling through life or, or taking losses, it would just make me think about myself. And so it was just, well, what should this character be doing differently? And then, you know, it just is about looking at yourself in the mirror and realizing you should be doing those things that you want that TV character to do. Sure. There's actually a whole like, psychological theory about that that like about the alter ego like you should have this altered side of yourself that whenever you need to do something big or go speak in front of an audience or you know make the boss decision at work it's like you, you put aside this one version of you and you become whatever it is you name that other side of you that's really good at doing that thing that the typical side of you has trouble with you know and so it's the idea of characters is very interesting because they are powerful Exactly, exactly, yeah. Um, try and do uh, that um, uh, that movie from, uh, what's his name that's coming out? Uh, the Glass movie, uh, Split. Um, oh, he does the horror movies, but um, with the guy with the split personalities. Have you seen that movie, Split? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think, right, James McAvoy was the actor, right? Yes, um, and what I thought is... it was just called Split, right? Or are you talking there's another movie coming out? Yeah, no, no, Split. He has another movie, like Glass or something, coming hmm. out. Uh, Samuel Jackson, Bruce Willis. Um, the Sixth Sense guy, oh man. I don't know, I haven't his, seen the preview. I can't remember his name, but his movies are kind of based in that, you know, like self-privilege, understanding, being in the moment, and yeah, I mean, you can really, you can really change your life if you stay in the moment. Sure. So, how old are you now? How old am I now? So now I'm, I'm 25, uh, my birthday is on Christmas, so I just turned 25. Nice. Happy birthday. Thank you. So you're 25. You have so much life ahead of you. It's so wild. You think about that when we're in our 20s. Right. But so what? What's what's in the future for you? You know, you say on your Facebook page that you're um, a man based on compassion and an entrepreneurial spirit. So where do you see those qualities taking you in the next, you know, 10, 20 years? Um, yeah. Uh, so for me, uh, some of my entrepreneurial goals are growing my business. You know, to a point to where uh, I can double down and do more, uh, you know, in economics class, you learn about blue chip investments. So my goal is to always try to uh, hopefully one day have enough money to open up my own kind of blue chip, you know, guaranteed win, like investment. And then from there, just trying to do like self-sustaining, care, give back, uh, philanthropy. I big thing for me would be um, getting just uh, honestly like getting guys and like just American guys especially like dressing better uh, especially young at a younger age uh, just for success um, type programs or just things like that I think for every and all cultures and ages uh, especially for, for, for just my day to day life I, I think it's very needed um, that's what I that's what I'm interested in working on uh, for right now 
Very cool. I dig it. Well, I've been hammering you with questions here for the last, it's been almost 50 minutes, believe it or not. Do you have any questions for me? I'll turn, I'll give you the power of the interview here and you can ask away if you have anything you're curious about. Cool, Miles. Yeah. Um, I know you went construction. I know you got married. How long have you been married now? Got married in 2014. So this is going to be year five, five years in October. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, how's that? Like, how's being married? Um, Dude, beer yeah, no, beer Marin's awesome. Um, I'm very thankful that I found my partner for life's journey as early as I did. Um, Claire and I started dating freshman year in college, so pretty much knew she was the one, you know, like then. So it's been cool to grow up with one another, really, and yeah. go through all the cool things I've experienced in life, and always have that that constant person to come back in and share it with, you know, makes it all that much more meaningful, whatever it is I get into. So it's, it's great to have that support system. She's my biggest fan and my biggest critic at the same time, which I think is super important, especially when you're creating anything like I'm doing, you can't just surround yourself with yes people. You know, you need that person that's going to shoot you straight and say, you know, it's great or it sucks or I liked it, but you know, and not just nod their head and, say everything you do is wonderful because <laughs> that's not realistic. So, uh, right. okay. I yeah. like that. Yeah, okay. It's good to hear, you know, it's, it's good to hear uh, getting with the uh, con- contrarian, if you will, um, in certain, in certain as- aspects uh, holds massive dividends. It's, it's encouraging. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, and then you live in, you live in Pennsylvania, correct? Yeah, I still, I stayed close to Lyco. Um, I had an internship in college that turned into a full-time gig, you know, right after graduation. So I've bounced right. around the Susquehanna River Valley here. We lived in Williamsport, Mifflinburg, Watson Town, and now we are in just outside of Sealands Grove. So about an hour south of, uh, where Lyco is. All right. So it's a quick question for you. Yeah. Um, I'm from New York. I'm from Highland Mills, New York, which is like an hour outside of the city. However, I lived in the city of Chicago and the city of Baltimore for uh, a few years in rural living. Yeah. I agree with the argument that it's better for your mental health in terms of like, you know, anxiety and things like that, and like calm. Sure. But like, doesn't that get boring? Like, I don't <laughs> That's, If you ask my wife, she'd say absolutely. Um, okay. She grew up in Pittsburgh, so... The city was always, you know, like a 15-minute drive from where they live just outside the city. I grew up in Easton, Pennsylvania, and, I mean, there was a quote-unquote city, but it's nothing like, you know, Pittsburgh. It's more like a Williamsport, you know what I mean? It's not like a, right. a Pittsburgh or Chicago, but I don't know, man. I mean, when you think about what you do every day, right? You wake up, you go to work, you come home, you make dinner, you do whatever you're going to do, you go to bed, you do it again. As depressing as that sounds, that's pretty typical, so right. you could do that anywhere. I mean, you don't have to be in a city to do that. You could do that with the cornfield I have in my backyard. Um, sure. But then what's nice about where we're at is we're not that far away to get to a city. You know, we can get to New York in an afternoon. We could get to Pittsburgh in three hours. We could drive into Philly or New Jersey and and then you, you travel and you get to experience a bunch of different ones instead of the same one all the time. But right. And like you said before, like with the internet and stuff, like... How's it not get boring? I mean, how is anything boring these days? Like, if you're bored, you're just not. You're just not. Like, you're not creative enough because you can find anything to do to entertain yourself or to feed your mind or experience new things. And I just like it because, like you said, it is. I, I think it's relaxing. It's quiet. It's you know, we have a, a son now who just turned one, so it's, it's a good place. Thanks. And it's a good place to raise a family. All those things. And I don't know. I just. I feel like. 
that's a silly question to ask. <laughs> you know, like people that don't live in there ask that. For me, it's yeah. just I just don't know any different at this point. I've just it's been my life for so long. It's just normal. No, I mean, wholeheartedly, yeah, I, I totally get that. I respect that. Um, in terms of, it's just interesting. You know, it's just very interesting here. I always wonder. There's a lot of um, in terms of like social skills and, and things like that. There's a lot of like advantages to growing up. You know, around just uh, like a huge sheer number of people. Oh sure, absolutely, yeah. Be exposed to different ideas and cultures and mm-hmm. all that good stuff. Absolutely, there's total benefit there for sure. Yeah. And so I don't know. I think that's where my brain goes to first, which is why I think I struggle with the concept of living in in more of an isolated area. However, it's so gorgeous, man. Like, those areas, like, that part of America, like, anywhere. You know, you, you take just a simple 35-minute drive outside of a city, and it just becomes so beautiful, like, almost all the time. Absolutely. So, can't blame me for that. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. We do like it. Any other? I mean, there's no pressure to keep asking questions. I just always like to, I always think it's fair to, you know, flip the power in the situation <laughs> here, so... I just left the wedding convention, so I just I'm just uh, like fried mentally. I don't uh, I'm such I'm sorry, Miles. I don't know. Oh, Jesus, it's no problem. I like I said in the beginning, I appreciate you taking the time after a long day of work to to share you know your journey with everybody here, and you know I, I loved a lot of the tidbits you said, and it, it's impressive what you've been able to accomplish in 25 short years. So just keep doing what you're doing, man. And I know you'll go far. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Miles. Um, everyone, I love your pie. Uh, you do a great job. I like the, um, I love the, uh, the theme, you know, about the journey, about the, uh, hey, keep walking, keep, keep going down your path, you know, stay motivated. It's, it's just a great message. Thank you. Um, so thank you for doing this and thank you for doing that and thank you for the opportunity. All right. That's a wrap for this episode of Relish the Journey. Thank you all for traveling with us this week. And thank you to our guest, Jelani Martinez. Follow Sartorial Inc. on Instagram to check out all his fashions and cool stuff that they're doing. That's at S-A-R-T-O-R-I-A-L-I-N-C. I'll also link to Jelani's personal Instagram in the episode notes as well. For more Relish the Journey, check us out on rtjmedia.com. And if you want to comment on the show, you want to get on the show, you just want to insult me, say something nice, whatever it may be. I want to hear it from you. Hit me up at miles, M-Y-L-E-S, at rtjmedia.com. Till next time, everybody, cheers.